<laughs> and it's one of those things where if I try to avoid like death by just stopping listening to podcasts, I know that I'm just going to age horribly and I actually am just trying real, really hard to die with all of my friends instead of like <laughs> hundreds, of hundreds of years, hundreds of years, years later yeah. right with just, just with just alone. like a your, your earbuds attached to the side of a portrait of you as a yes. young man like, <laughs> the, it'll be the podcast of Dorian Gray and Kevin's yeah. voice just gets older and older and creepier as the podcast goes on I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 119 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast we do in this room. Is it a hot cast? It's never any of the things that you say, is it? Uh, I mean, I realize I'm no ending. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a feverish cast. I feel kind of feverish. Everyone's sick, and yeah. it sucks. Are you sick, Riff? No, I'm fine. You didn't get the gift of plague from Australia that we got when esteemed rapper and vector MC MC Frontalot passed through here, coughing into all of our beverages. Rapping and vecting. It was really gross. I always put a lid on my coffee when I carry it from the place where I get my coffee back here to my desk. And uh, the other day Emily asked me why I did that. And I said, because I don't want a hobo to spit in my coffee. Is that a true? It really is. Yeah, that is why I do it. There are streets around here that I feel okay taking a cup of coffee with no lid on it and just drinking the coffee, but our street is not one of them. Oh, I see. Because it's it's like 10 10 feet. There are a lot of hobos who just stand there like a sprinkler, just (laughs) spitting Spitting repeatedly in an arc, and then they go, chink, and then rotate their head back around and just do it all (laughs) over again. And you're like, where do those guys get all that spit? I yeah. wonder if the pop filter just completely edits out that sound effect. Yeah, I think it probably does. People probably didn't hear the annoying <laughs> noise that you just made. Also, they're listening to the podcast at 100x, and so they can't understand any of this anyway. <clears throat> Hello, fast pod listeners. Does your voice just automatically get lower when you try to When you try slow? to go slow, I think it does. Huh. Yeah, just like when you try to imitate the chipmunks, your voice automatically gets higher pitched. And I'll see you. How's it going, poop. Riff? It's going pretty good. You've been imitating the chipmunks recently, recording an album of show tunes. Uh, I would like to say yes and to that, but I don't know where I would go with the and. So mm-hmm. no, I could answer Christopher Columbus again. Okay. Yes, and it's a series of songs dedicated to Christopher Columbus. There you go. Which I hope to send back in time to him. To terrify him, I've he been, probably didn't I've been speak meaning, English. I've been meaning to write a li- write down a list of answers that I can give whenever you ask me questions out of the blue like that, and I'm not ready for <laughs> it. Just things like Christopher Columbus and uh, I don't know the 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 last Armpit of the Mohicans cancer. or <laughs> I guess this was one of the the positive uh, benefits of having Kickstarter backer names to read back when we had Kickstarter backer names mm. to read. Is that there was always just something you, there was a, there was literally a list of things in front of you that you could pick up and read. Yeah, I could say, "What's that growing? What's that growing in your crotch, Riff?" <laughs> oh, it's pick up a thing Mr. Say, Lieutenant Time Bonkers. Good. No, I didn't say what is it that makes your crotch grow, <laughs> right. which is the sexual excitement derived from the awesome name of Mr. Lieutenant Time Bonkers. You do anything interesting this past week, Zach? 
Yes. Yes. Uh, you were there. I know. We went to a. You, I, that was oh, a, I see. That was a question just, I knew the answer me. to. It was a leading. Oh, so it was like you're you're trying to be an interviewer. We went and did that uh, real life escape the room game. Ah, uh, jealousy here up in up in, up in Japantown. We can't really talk about it much. We can't talk about any of the actual individual elements of it. Well, we can, they, but it's just rude. Well, sure, but they would because. Get them. Because we know we know that we're not. They will to. get mad. I told them that we heard about it from Idle Thumbs, and he was like, "Oh, so you heard all the spoiler?" And I said, "No, they edited that all out after you asked them to." And then it turns out that everyone was there because I had heard about it on that podcast. So then, like, man, they kept wanting to know. I feel like they spend a lot of money on advertising, and several points they asked us how you found out about. Yep. About Even this. though we had already told them. Yep. Um, yeah, they just didn't want to believe that anything good could come of those dudes spoiling their their puzzles. So it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. it was neat. It was in, it was inspiring uh, to to me to want to make one of these in Phoenix. Uh, that's better. Hmm. Um, there were there were a lot of fun things to do. The time pressure was interesting. There was it was very physical. There were a lot of objects to play with and right. a lot of interesting methods of hiding things uh, and concealing information that were cool. The problem that we had, and the thing that ended up stopping us from solving it, only so what were the stats? Uh, there were nine, nine teams had yeah. solved it, and we were the 448th team to not solve it. Wow! Yep. Um, in time, and he said we were close, but we weren't really close. Um, I think we would have needed if we had gotten past minutes. the thing that we got to, we would have needed an extra like 15 <clears> minutes. <throat> yeah. To to get there, but there was there was a meta puzzle that required you to like solve a bunch of other puzzles to to clue the answer to a, a more significant puzzle yep. right and i would say that half of the puzzle elements in the room were for one of like 10 puzzles in that meta puzzle totally irrelevant did not need it at all well, it was because, trivial to because back, you can because so, it yeah, was because trivial to back solve so mm-hmm. we, we we spent most of our time on what we assumed was a very important puzzle because it was a very hard and sprawling and complex puzzle that turned out to be with without value yeah. and that was that was kind of sad that made me sad there was some obvious stuff that we missed because we were and this is just a, you know this is just a way in which you can fail at this. Although he said that most teams didn't do, most teams didn't end up where we ended up. Oh well, I mean, because we also are pretty good at solving the puzzles, right? So like, you give us those puzzles and we we can solve them. But there are some things that we just like we had assumed we had made some assumptions about the fundamental structure of it that ended up not bearing out, and yeah. because we had weren't prioritizing our time correctly, because you only get an hour. Uh, because we weren't prioritizing our time correctly, we ended up running out of time. It's just, it's frustrating that, like, th- like let's imagine that there are 20 puzzles, and there are, like, 10 puzzles that give you an answer, and then 10 puzzles that give you another answer, and then half of the things in the room are part of one of the unimportant hmm. 20 puzzles. Like, it was just, it was just very dissatisfying. It was, the puzzle was cool, the way that yeah. the information was hidden was neat. The way it was themed was neat. Like it was a cool thing. It's just that it was the relative. It yeah. was totally irrelevant. It was like half half of the stuff in the room just didn't matter because it was so easy to back solve for the for the right. thing. 
Like if we had, if we had known about the meta puzzle earlier, we would have solved the room, but we just, we were assuming that the thing that was gating the meta puzzle was gated by the huge complex puzzle that we were having trouble with. Um, and it wasn't. So yeah, it was neat. I mean, I wish, I wish we could talk about it in more detail because I feel like it's, you know, yeah. it's possible that no one listening will ever go do this thing. Um, maybe we can, you know, we can re- revisit it after it shuts down. Right. When, um, once they once they re they make a new one, they keep making new ones of these, and I would totally go back. I mean, it was you know it was like twenty five bucks, which wasn't wasn't bad, and it, it was bad. You know, it was good. It was it was it was fun. It was interesting. There were some yeah. clever <clears throat> there were some clever things. Some there were some really really neat. There were some definitely really neat sort of puzzle elements and just mystery elements and stuff like just very satisfying things to encounter. And I think even if you did it, I mean, granted you already know what all of the secrets are, but I think doing it a second time, you, you as an individual would probably find different things, which would have some level of value to it. Um, I, I don't think I would ever, I would go back to the same thing. I don't, I wonder if they even let you. They probably shouldn't because then you could just go in and I mean, you'd basically just, Go two straight. things and you're done. Yeah. yeah, like you'd know exactly. Unless they set it up differently every time, which I, I doubt they if they do. Yeah. Yeah. We we discussed like it. It gave us some inspiration for the possibility of, of setting up our own version of this that we could potentially sort of have more regularly rotating content so that people could do it more often. Yeah, doing a thing where like if there were if there were you know five core puzzles to it that we rotate one out every week or. 10 days or something so that every couple of months you could come back and it would be new. Yeah. Um, but who knows, who knows if we'll ever actually get around to that. I mean, there, there are things that we muse that we should do like Zapcon and we actually do them. And then there are things that we muse that we should do that we, you know, we still haven't like our space program. We still haven't put together a haunted (laughs) house. Yeah. We still haven't made it to the Mars. The Mars. Yeah. We still haven't made it to the premiere of the new Veronica Mars movie, (laughs) which is something that we've been saying we should do. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, it was fun. It was fun. And then everybody's just been like feeling gross and sick since then. Yeah. And I drank too much last night because the friend that came into town to do the escape the room game, we went out to a bar with her and drank too many beers. What time did you get home? I was, I we was closed the out. place. We were at wow. Zeitgeist at last call. Jeez. Yeah. Which I don't think that I've ever done before, huh. but yeah, so yeah. Started early too. We got, we went to dinner real early. Hmm. Went to a cool restaurant with funny guys working at it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually a clown restaurant. Ugh. It's a, it's a themed restaurant. Yeah. The kitchen is really small, but there's a lot of food in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all they serve to drink is seltzer water that's sprayed directly <laughs> in your face. And, uh, you have to have dessert and it's just a <laughs> shaving cream pie in the face. Ah, this is a pretty good restaurant. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, so now, this more and yeah, more. now this is another thing that we're going to talk about and think about a lot and probably never actually do <laughs> clown restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, riff. Yes. What have you been doing? And this isn't a trick. This isn't like, a, <laughs> this isn't like a, like an improv prompt for me to make fun of you. Um, I have not really been doing much except the usual. Um, yeah, just video games, pretty much. So the usual, which is to say, like, eating cans of soup without heating them up. Yep. Okay. Um, Watch, watching animes, playing video games. Recreating food dishes from video games. 
Uh, that okay. I have not done that recently, but that is something I do once in a while. Pulling a prank on us where you attach all of the things in our offices to the ceiling and put uh, acoustical tiling on the floor so that oh. when we get there, we will believe that our offices have turned upside down. I actually, that 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 idea occurred to me the other day and I briefly considered doing it, but then I decided it would be hard. So I didn't. That's a lot of work. Yeah, that would require a lot of contractor time. And also, like, I don't, you know, you would also have to glue all of our loose possessions to whatever surface they're sitting on, which that goes beyond prank and goes more into, like, uh, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> also, you, you can't live here anymore and we get to keep all your stuff. So that was, eh, that was probably probably for the wise, best. Wise decision. To us. Yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be back there. We're gonna we're gonna be able to record in the same room in like yeah, two short wow. weeks. It's exciting. Three weeks. I don't know. Uh, the two more here. Do we have to skip any shows because of your packs? No. Kevin's gonna Kevin's gonna be on a panel at packs. Yeah, I heard about that. About You're talking about your, kickstarters. How to ruin your Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. How did so, how did that gotta, happen? Gotta, how did you how did you wrangle that? Uh, Cindy Koo asked me. Not Cindy. Cindy Lou. Cindy, Cindy Oh. Cindy Lou who. <clears throat> Cindy Koo's a, a totally different person. I, I know. Um, I thought you were just confusing Cindy O and Robert Koo. No, because Robert Koo certainly didn't. Oh wow, that's weird. That's yeah. a yeah. No, that's that's not what I was doing at all. Are you thinking of Counting Koo? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That band with Adam Durance <clears throat> about what like cutting people's fingers off or I forget what I forget what Counting Koo is. They talk about it in Deadwood. That's when it's like, that's when instead of instead of killing you they touch you with like a feather mm. right and then maybe take your scalp <laughs> i think taking somebody's scalp kills them uh depends it certainly would make your skull cold yeah you get you just get a brain for you'd never be able to eat <laughs> ice cream again <laughs> i don't know if they take the whole scalp or if they just take like from what portion. i've seen it's like a little circle from the top yeah. that's about the size of a softball it's never going to grow back you know i don't you, know what would happen actually I mean, they cut people's heads open and like actually drill the holes in their skulls back in the old yeah, days. Yeah, but they yeah. the skin heals over the top of that. There's enough there's enough skin to sort of stretch up and stitch together, or that would grow together on its own. Well, I mean, I think your skin's inclination would be to try to heal up. I guess there's got to be some size at which it it doesn't. Oh sure, because I mean, if you pop a zit on your scalp, it doesn't kill you. So I mean, you know, it could a hole. Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess it could. if if that if you mistake your entire head for a zit <laughs> and pop it uh, using a vice. Uh, God. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Jesus, man. It's I know. Gross. I know. Uh, you know, a lot of the if I want to like really just make myself squirm, I, I, a lot of the mental images that come to mind are like using a vice to do things that are really horrible. Yeah, you know, mine uh, from when I was a kid was always just laying down with my nuts in the track of a sliding glass door and just slamming it. Ah, oh, God. Yep. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I'm like, Gah. yeah. You know, honestly, that is why I have a really hard time watching. Uh, Jackass. Yeah. Well, that, no, but so, yeah, the would, sliding doors. That movie where Glenn Close <laughs> slams people's nuts in a door. <laughs> Don't make me laugh when I'm the sick. Um, uh, no, I was gonna say there's something about Mary. Because mm. that scene was just really sort of where he zips his yeah his nut up in his ah, in his pants. Huh? I mean, it's totally improbable slash impossible, but Jesus, yeah. There, 
yeah, that and injuries, man. Genital injuries. That's like just the worst. Yeah. It like really is the worst thing. I mean, the sun also rises. Isn't that about a guy who gets his dick shot off? Or had his dick shot off? I didn't actually read it. Hmm. So I don't know. Would you say worse than eyeball injuries? What about fingernail injuries? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Nope. Nope, nope. Have you guys been playing any video games? Like, <laughs> oh, God. Man, Lamisil should totally make a game that's like Toenail oh, Invader. <laughs> you just, you have to, it's like the fucking Walking Dead. Like, they make you press a button to lift up each toenail. <laughs> You're like, and you have to, like, move the mouse up. And it's really just, like, force feedback. Oh. <laughs> oh, something that I uh, got to see today was, do, do you remember that Kickstarter for the game with uh, the... You put the little sort of EEG helmet on. It's not a helmet, but like a little like a headband kind of thing, and you control stuff with your mind. I don't. Uh, there was a there was a Kickstarter for that. Um, that was kind of neat. Um, and the guy I, I met the guy today who's who was it the physical like, board game the the thing where the ball the it's not a, no 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 okay because there was that there, there is that there is that game where it uses like a little Bernoulli the Jedi trick Bernoulli ball right yeah and you're like levitating this ping pong ball through a series of obstacles using right. headband the, feedback yeah this is this is similar but different um, hmm. you're using you're using basically it's like a first person shooter but you have like <clears throat> at least one power which is like telekinesis but you control it with your brain hmm. and like it's really it's relatively easy to like fling like light objects around the room but you can also like fling cars and stuff and if you hit somebody with a car like they just they're just instantly killed huh yeah it's it's an interesting idea i'm i'm curious it's like he's tying the ability to play the game to somebody buying an 80 dollar eeg headset Thing, hmm. Which I'm curious if if that'll if I'll have a market or not. A bunch of stuff like that has to get tried yep. before yeah. we find the next thing that is just oh of course I'm going to buy that so that I can play the kind of games it lets me play. I asked him like why he he thought that that, that you know, like why he decided to do that given sort of the relatively high um, barrier to entry there would be for players and he's like I just wanted to make the coolest possible Jedi game I could. And it's nice. not, I mean, it's, you know, flinging crates and boxes and yeah. cars around, but, you know, the lifting a rock is while you there. stand on your head. Yep. Yeah. You make R2D2 float and then he freaks out. Right. He's like, oh no. Oh man, the second episode of that uh, What If. There was that guy that made that What If episode one was good video a long time um, ago. The second one just came out and it's like, damn, it's so. It's like, the, the, this guy just has pretty good ideas about what they should have done. With those movies, it's. I mean, it, you know, it is a lot easier to do that in retrospect. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. That said, uh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hope it gets that guy a job. Hmm. You know, because he seems like a smart dude. And he's, you're he all has about a beard. I like it when people have beards. It makes me feel like I should listen to them. Beardocracy. That's why I like growing a beard every once in a while. Because uh, if I look at myself in the mirror and I don't have a beard, I think, "Who's that dipshit?" And if I do have a beard, I'm like. I should do what that guy says. What about uh, what about like a five o'clock shadow? I think that makes me feel like oh, I should fuck that guy. <laughs> okay. I should become a woman and fuck that guy. Huh? If yeah, five o'clock shadow. Okay. 
a little longer at the mid-range, and then it's like the the asymmetric gray starts to make me think, ah, that guy should be dead. Because <laughs> he's old as fuck. Yeah. As time know. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Riff, video games. Video games. I, uh, I've played some of the new uh, Mario and Luigi. Um, I've I played about 40 minutes of that right before the show. How far into it are you... I, let's see, I just got into, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the second area, the park, and I just collected the first, uh, bros fight skill where you kick a shell at dudes. Mm. I played for like 40 minutes and it still hasn't really opened up to let me play a video game. There's been two fights. Huh. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean... I guess that's just Nintendo now, right? I mean, an hour of prep, preparation. I remember in the the Bowser's Inside Story, it was a long time before I started playing a video game. Yep. Yeah, it is, a, in a lot of ways, this is really just, it's, it's kind of Bowser's Inside Story again, except a different story. And there's, there's some, some slight mechanical differences, but for the most part, it's basically the same game, I would say. When you go into the dreams, is it like 2D platforming? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that is really the same game. Um, and it's, it's yeah. just as good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, but, and it's, yeah, and I mean, it's really beautiful. To, but uh, I'm going to keep playing it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's got that charm. But it's like there was this whole segment in the very beginning where you meet this guy and he's like, all right, it's time for a quiz show. And they quiz you on the name of the place that you are that they just told you about. And then they ask you if it's like true or false questions that you answer true or false by going and like talking to dudes that are standing at a big check mark or a big X on the floor. And mm-hmm. by getting these two very, very easy questions correct, you earn some coins. And then later on, by doing a very simple button mashing game, you multiply those coins by an amount. So it's just like this sort of complicated way of establishing your starting cash, I guess. Huh. Um, <clears throat> Is there a real agency there? Could you not get the questions right? And not well, you could if you want. You could deliberately fail them, I guess. Huh. They're, they're, they're easy. And, you know, it's like one day they received an invite to Pillow Island. Then they went to Pillow Island. Welcome to Pillow Island. I hope you're enjoying Pillow Island. Welcome to Pillow Island. True or false? The name of this island is Pillow Island. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could get that wrong. Well, but maybe, so maybe the entire game changes if you say false, and they're like, ah, oh, you're on to the secret. And then, like, the, the Ooh, and then it becomes a away. Metroid game. Yeah. Ah, that'd be so great. Yeah. Making a binary choice at the beginning of a game and having the game just completely diverge and give you a completely different game, like maybe it turns into like a first person shooter. But it does it forever. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it perma it burns it burns out like smoke <laughs> comes out of the cartridge because it burned the other game forever. Wow, it's like Risk Legacy, the video game. Hmm, I like it. Risk Legacy Origins. <laughs> <laughs> what else, Riff? Uh, let's see. Played a little Minecraft. Played a little Animal Crossing. I feel like there was something else, but I can't think of anything. So Animal Crossing. Um, you've been playing it for a month-ish now, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Is it, does it fundamentally change? Is it still just sort of managing the lives of these digital characters? Yeah, no, it's pretty much still the same. I've been, I've been doing some landscaping and, uh, uh, which is something that 
happens very slowly because the the shop that sells trees and shrubbery only sells one of each at a time well one tree and two shrubs but there are different kinds of shrubs and i need i need i i have i have planned out on graph paper what the the final area is going to look like so i've been gathering the various plants that i'm going to be needing and planned out the order that i have to plant them in because uh a plant that tries to grow when there are too many other plants adjacent to it will will not take root and huh. things like that. So you have to do it like the outside edge. Yeah, and sort of. Yeah, when I went to forward. Emily's town to give her some uh, peach trees, all but one of them died because they I planted them too close together. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, and then we were sad. Huh? Because um, she really loved my peaches and wanted to shake my trees. So here's a question, like. I feel like Minecraft is one of the like purest forms of like this kind of self-expression landscaping, you know, build your own whatever. And yet you're still interested in playing Animal Crossing. Like what is compelling about that versus the just the total open sandboxes um, of Minecraft? The cute characters are fun. Um and also I'd say that the being creative when it's more restrictive is uh, is interesting you know okay i can buy that yeah i mean i guess if you now that you've installed the mod that makes minecraft even less restrictive then it's already very unrestrictive <laughs> thing like i mean i never enjoyed i have never spent even a minute playing minecraft in creative mode because i like when i built a castle out of stone i wanted to know that I had mined all of that stone uh-huh. right. and that I had undertaken risk and done, you know, done the work to do it. And I look back and I'm like, man, I wasted a lot of time just <laughs> like digging these channels through stone and occasionally getting excited by the Skinner box of diamonds that popped up. But like I was listening to podcasts while I was doing that, you know, so yeah. it was probably fine. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm thinking back to, like, the earliest days when we were just building stuff and, like, <clears throat> you couldn't die because there was no, you couldn't take damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything. that's true. Yeah, when we first did our, we started using survival multiplayer servers before there were monsters right. on them and when fall, like, just the, the damage wasn't tracked correctly so you could fall indefinitely. So building that first castle was like really got used to just like all right i'm done i'm just gonna jump off the side yep <laughs> and it was a lot easier to do stuff and then i was like oh fuck can't do that anymore but you also couldn't like move your spawn point right you know yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely definitely some some drawbacks yeah that's been a neat thing watching that game evolve what have you been playing kevin um i played a sort of simple flash game uh called momiga have you heard about this Mm-mm. it is it was a game that was designed specifically with the intent to be as minimalist as possible. So there is a single, it's not a single pixel, but it's like a single dot. Uh, <clears throat> there is a single button and it has a single sound effect. <laughs> um, and the, what, what does the, the sound p- effect sound like? It's like a, a just a beep. <clears throat> it's not, it's not a <clears throat> or anything. No, it's just like a beep. Um, and so the, point of the game is to get the dot from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen and the the sort of default behavior of the dot and what the button does changes each time so it's it's kind of like one of those games where the 
the level more or less stays the same, but the rules change a little bit each time. You know, like one of the like um, upgrade games or or whatever. <clears throat> and it's interesting. It's it's a neat. It was a sort of a, a satisfying experiment. And so the mechanics change without any new things arriving to damage the minimalism? Yep. I mean, because I mean, it's just, it just when you get the dot to the right side of the screen, it resets on the left side in a slightly different position. And you're basically, each time you do it, the dot is moving progressively further up the screen. So it's like go, starting like in the lowest row and then going across in a different, you know, like... Are there obstacles higher. to avoid? There are no or? obstacles. Nope. The only, if, if you run off the side of the screen or if you hit the, if you hit the far side too fast sometimes... Hmm. Um, it's you know it's it very it takes ten minutes to play through the entire thing and it was it was pretty satisfying it was a, it was a good exploration of just what can you do I mean I'm, I'm sure there are other options and it's not like that it's it's exhaustively explored but it was it was pretty satisfying um, and then on your recommendation I played that Icarus Proud Bottom teaches typing game yeah <laughs> um, I haven't got good. around to that yet how how's it how is it uh, there was a there was a lot of typing in it. <laughs> there was. It's not as it's not as good a game as Icarus Proud Bottom and the Curse of the Chocolate Fountain. I am fucking stoked that those people are working on a larger scale Icarus Real Proud game. Bottom game. If it's not a joke, like yeah. Icarus Proud Bottom <laughs> Starship Captain sounds like fucking exactly the game that I want to play. Yeah, no, it's they they did they did a really good job. It is yeah. it is got a lot of flavor to it. It's I mean it's not a bad typing game. As, you know, as well, I mean, it ago. sort of is because, it, you know, it doesn't make you actually type. It doesn't differentiate between capitals and lowercase letters. Okay, well, it's, it's not as and, it's not as uh, persnickety as it probably should be. But yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know that the the power ups you get where you have to type each letter twice really teaches you <laughs> any usable <laughs> skills. Uh, it's pretty funny though. So good. It is so hard to use that bonus meter. Also, yeah, but that, I thought that was actually a, that, that's what, neat. A good you know, it is neat, but it's like, oh god, I'm I'm having to focus on typing fast to get this meter up, but then not let it get too high, right? Or I guess you could wait for it to drain. I I let it drain occasionally. Yeah. Um, but then the number of you know all that does is increase your score multiplier, and the score doesn't mean anything. So well, it makes it makes bad things happen. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty good. You should game. you should check it out, Riff. Yep. All right, you should. That's it. it? Uh, I actually played a bunch of stuff. I uh, I forget which podcast it was that recommended this game, but there was a 3DS eShop game, which kind of leads me to believe maybe it was Retronauts, because I don't know who talks about eShop releases anymore, uh, but it's called SteamWorld Dig. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. It is it is really charming. It's, it's, hmm. it's basically like a... Like, I dig it for iOS, and... There is a game which I think I played in the 90s Dick that Doug. was like a proto version of that game where it's like you, you just Dash. have the little digger, but it's not, no, I mean with the RPG elements, with the oh. town on top where you dig up different stuff and sell it and um, use that to upgrade your dude. But it's it's a platformer, like you're a, little, you're a little robot and you jump and you can wall jump, which makes it easier. There's no fuel uh, requirement, mm. there is just light which you start out with, I think the radius of light depends on the duration of the light, and so the power-ups are more duration. Hmm. Um, 
And so you don't have to, you don't lose when you run out. It's just you can't see anything that's oh, not right. in line of sight. Um, or that's not like cleared out, right? You can't, you can no longer see if there's an ore next to it. You're, when you hit the wall with your pickaxe, it generates a tiny little spark that lights up the area. So you can, you can sort of hobble Feel along your way around. that way. But it's got three good sized worlds with different rules. And there's a lot, there's start to be a lot of enemies and hmm. different kinds of like, you know, there's like things that if you uncover one side of them, they start shooting lasers that will eat through rocks, you know, and then you can hit them to turn them off and on. Like there's a bunch of, and then there's a bunch of little like puzzly platform levels that you go into to get like the sort of fundamental mobility power-ups that you get. And it's, I am guessing that it probably took like three hours to beat and mm. it was, yeah, it was like eight bucks on the eShop. And I apparently still had some eShop credit. I don't know. I don't even remember how that works. I must have put in some money at some point to buy something for an assignment. <laughs> um, wow. What's yeah, it called I again? I was like, hey, you got 15 bucks. Say again? What's Steam it called World again? Dig. Steam World Dig. Hmm. Uh, it's made by, made by some Nords, it looks like. Um, so that was good. And I played... Uh, I've been playing... More or less, I've been playing one game of Spelunky a day to just play the daily challenge, uh, and that's been awesome. I'm doing terribly. I usually die in the first jungle level. I've lost all my Spelunky mojo. What I should be doing is like practicing. Have you? Did you play through it again to unlock all the levels? No, I didn't. Oh wow! It's different. The, the it works differently. It's not just flat cash upgrades now. It's like the first time you hit Tunnelman, he needs a bomb, and the second time he needs oh. a rope. And then he needs... Do you have to be carrying those things yeah, out with you? you wow. Do. Yep. I think at a certain point, he, he needs a key for one of the later ones. And he, so you have to carry the key from like one three to the second. Jeez. Yeah, no, it seems like it, it, seems like it, it made that into much more of a sort of metagame. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's kind of shitty not knowing what he's going to need next. Right. So it means you just got to go there once informationally and then once it makes it harder to just sort of scum it like I was doing which was just like run to 1-4 get as much gold on 1-4 as I could because if I collected a bunch of gold and then got killed I would feel like I wasted it right, right. my goal was to do that but so I guess it's interesting to not know yeah and I mean if I, if I wanted to know that bad I could just look it up but yeah I've yet to actually get through the player. jungle on since I bought it for PC I've just I lost all my mojo. I never did beat it. I got to the boss a few times, but oh yeah, yeah. But I never. Uh, Isn't never there something it. crazy that you unlock by getting through the whole game without dying or something? Well, I mean, you can't. You can't die at all, right? You, you mean, mean starting from the beginning yeah, and without, winning without it? Yeah, the there's leaderboards for that at least. There's like time leaderboards, and there might be. I don't know, really know what there were in terms of unlocks. Maybe new characters, or whatever. Hmm. Um, I also just played a ton of Skyrim. Because <laughs> you got all the DLC. I got all the DLC during the Steam sale, yeah. So I just decided to start a new guy and go Archer Stealth Dude. And it has... it. I've finally gotten to the point where I feel like survivability is like reasonable compared to <coughs> heavy armor. But I spent the first couple hours of this playthrough just not understanding how you, Riff, can understand... To, how you can stand to play these games it's just like it does take some time to build up but once you get once you get the skills up there you're 
you can be one-shotting guys. Yep. And uh, actually undetected, which yeah. is nice. I mean, it's just, but it just sucks to be like in light armor and. Yeah, but it's you know it's uh, like I got to the point where I couldn't really do anything in the uh, Dragonborn expansion because all all of the base level enemies were just too hard, and it just oh, took wow. me like fifty arrows to kill them. So I ended up starting Dawn Guard, which then gives you a bunch of quests. You get a crossbow, and then there's a series of quests to keep improving the crossbow. So it ended up like being sort of perfect because it's like all right, well. It's both sending me to all these different places to just grab stuff. And they're not that hard to get either. There are just plans. She's like, oh, I discovered some plans. They're in a random treasure chest at this one bandit camp. And sometimes it was like places I'd already been. So it was just, ah, just fast travel there. Go to the chest to get the plans. Like after killing three dudes. Huh. Um, bolts are kind of scarce to start with. But then you go back to her and she'll sell you more eventually. Can you not make them? Uh, you can if you, if you level smithing. Okay. Um... At a certain point, fighting those vampires, I fucked around and got the disease that eventually progresses into vampirism. And then I wasn't thinking, like, this this girl who was the crossbow lady is also a vendor with, like, 20,000 gold on her. So that was just, like, that was where I would fast travel whenever I needed to sell stuff. And after I became a vampire, I went in there, and everybody was asleep. But I just went into the, the sort of bunk house and woke her up. And she was like, dude, what the fuck are you... You can't be here. You're infected. Like, what... Get go Jesus Christ go before anybody else wakes up like wow that was cool <laughs> and then she starts you on this sort of trivial quest to cure yourself of vampirism although it fucked up and I had to do it twice because the first time I I talked to this guy at this ritual stone or whatever who was going to cure me of my vampirism but some like motion delta got set incorrectly so the whole time I was in the conversation with him he was just very slowly floating up into space <laughs> and just off into the trees and then Beautiful. he's still talking but I can't hear him anymore and it's like wait for him to complete the ritual and it's like well I think I'm gonna be waiting a while <laughs> so wow. I just had to like reload from an earlier save and like, that's awesome uh, um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of like you have to um you have to have a filled black soul gem to cure vampirism. Wow. And part, in thinking about the narrative of that, one of the ways that I could imagine that being explained is that when you are a vampire, you no longer have a soul. So it just takes whatever soul you've captured in that gem and then that becomes you. Like, <laughs> so it's like thinking about it from this dumb bandit's perspective that was just the first human that I went out and it was the easiest guy to kill after I got the like trap soul thing so he's like alright I just got killed and then my consciousness and my soul got trapped in this rock and then suddenly there's a flash of light and I'm this huge badass <laughs> like <laughs> wearing the body of the guy that killed me and then I'm just going on an adventure and it's like I remember all this shit about what I was doing like yeah, I don't understand how souls work exactly in that context. <clears throat> like, in it, do they maintain a personality metaphysically? Have... Well, it's so they talk about like the black black soul gems are like evil. They are a bad thing right. to do because the person stays conscious inside oh, wow. the stone, right? But then it's like, all right, so I'm conscious, and then all right, suddenly I just got poured into the gas tank of this fire sword, and then just slowly <laughs> disappear as this guy hits bears. <laughs> like yeah. that would kind of suck. I can see why that's I can see why that's frowned upon in uh, 
in the modern, more progressive west coast of Damriel. Um, but that was pretty good. That vampire experience was like. Didn't you, where did you get the vampire uh, aid? Uh, she is just part of that content. Like you, they send you the Dawn Guard. Like invites you to their castle, and they're like, you need to go figure out what they're looking for in this new place. And then it's like a, it's like a sort of an underworld if Bill Nye was the hot girl, right? So it's just like, ah, oh, this hot girl vampire has been stored in sort of cold storage in this cave for however long, and she has an Elder Scroll. She's carrying an Elder Scroll around with her the whole time you're playing, which seems like people, if people hmm. in the world knew... What is an Elder Scroll? They're, I don't know, they're <clears throat> these crazy powerful things that are what the whole series is named after. Yeah. And it's like a really big deal early in the game when you find one in like a Dweamer ruin. The new stuff on the island in the Dragonborn content is really neat. It's like pretty much all sort of bespoke areas and and quests. There's nothing that's just like, oh, this is just another basically identical bandit camp or whatever. It's like every area in it. You know, because I feel like they just had however much. They had all the tools and they had the mastery of those tools and they just had like an arbitrary amount of time to make it. Because it wasn't, that was the... I mean, I guess with Bioshock Infinite, they had said, like, we're just not working on any DLC until we're done with the game. But I feel like they said the same thing about Skyrim. They were just like, we don't have anything planned. Yeah, because they did those we were jams. Like, we're going to finish. In-company yeah, jam. And then we're going to take a month off because this was a horrible crunch. And then we're going to decide what to do. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. That, that I, like, I went through the whole main quest line on there. And you start to get, you start to find these books that, like, teleport you into this really gross sort of Lovecraftian alternate dimension that's like Ooh. like the sort of infinite junkyard maze from uh, from uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie whichever mm. Nightmare on Elm Street movie has the crazy car, like junked car maze that's just awesome and the camera pans back and you see that this guy's just on an entire planet that's like a junkyard um, except it's like tentacles and books oh wow and, and these just like sort of really hard monsters floating around that you have to sort of they're not, you know, they're puzzles insofar as Skyrim has puzzles, which is to say there are doors that are locked with switches that are in obscure locations. Mm. Right. Um, although there were some neat, there was a neat puzzle in one of the Dweamer ruins where you had to get like 20 units of pressure into this boiler and there were just these things that you could shoot from across the room that would add fixed numbers of them. So, I mean, it was kind of just like figure out what combination of these integers adds up to 20, but it was... There, I mean, they no, often have, like, have like to it. puzzles, puzzles that are like notice these three animals, animals on the wall, yeah. and then turn the dial to be those three animals. Yeah, I mean the, the the ones that are just clued environmentally, like those always felt a little thin to me. Sure, um, but there's a couple more of those dragon priest guys with the real fancy hats, okay, <laughs> um, that are pretty cool, and there's like uh, I don't know these mind enslaved dudes building shrines to this guy who's like your sort of overall nemesis for the thing you get to ride a dragon and then that's confusing as fuck i saw you i saw you flying yeah, around that was i like, thought you were playing World i was Warcraft. so afraid that the final boss fight was going to require me to figure out what the fuck was going on <laughs> with trying to control this dragon but luckily it didn't it was just like press the key to land i'm like thank you <laughs> really like to not be riding this dragon anymore i guess there was some of that in the main quest line of skyrim um, Did you hear about it. that um, <clears throat> that huge mod that 
some guy made that's basically an entire continent's worth of new content and shit. Yep. Yep. It's a ton of new. It's a ton of new playthrough stuff, and it's all voiced and everything. And it's apparently it's apparently pretty decent. Yep. I haven't looked at it. Somebody did point me to the mod that I that I said that oh. I wanted that just makes all of the bandits male. There's also that mod that makes the the interface PC friendly. Yeah, Holy I did. Crap. Yeah, I am using Sky UI, which is just a much much nicer hmm. UI for spells and items and stuff. There are icons that sort of tell you what category the items are, so it's a lot easier to just eyeball it. You can also see like. 40 rows of inventory on the screen at once. And you can sort by value over weight or whatever? Yeah, you can sort oh, by nice. weight, value, or value divided by weight. Oh, wow. To, like, figure out what to drop. Yeah. No, that was neat. One of the... So, in all these, in all these like, book realm levels that you go into, you, like, read a book and it teleports you into this thing, and then you read the book again to teleport you out of it. But the rewards at the end of them are all the sort of thing where you can choose one of three perks. You can keep going back in there and changing it if you want. But one of them lets you once a day summon... Uh, this is a very like late game World of Warcraft kind of thing. It lets you summon a Daedra who is just a vendor. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, which is super cool. Huh. Like, it's just crazy. And he only has like 2,000 gold, but... Just sell stuff wherever. Yeah. It's so Th- there was another one that you could summon a Daedric butler, which is just a bunch of extra... You can just trade items with him... I never use my companion's inventory as extra inventory space just because I'm I'm constantly afraid that the companion will just disappear. Like there will be a bug and they'll get... Because sometimes she's just not there for like an hour at a time because she got stuck on the scenery somewhere and it isn't until I like zone into some new town or something that it was like, wait a minute, where the fuck is your follower? And it reloads. I always just stayed away from followers in those games because they're so underfoot I yeah, never I never here. really had a problem I used a follower that was melee I think it was just Lydia that just to like help me keep distance from enemies which worked out great yeah, yeah. oh there's a, one of the perks in one of the books that you get is the inib- like it makes you unable to damage your follower so it lets oh. you just start fire hosing them with flame wow. AOE attacks without that's cool yeah yeah but I didn't do it because I'm like eh I don't really care <laughs> you know followers are a dime a dozen i'll just buy more <laughs> but i mean it's like th- this vampire follower is pretty good about not alerting enemies and stuff but doesn't doesn't the vampire follower raise dead yeah and then you also had some other crazy pet following you around beating stuff up and you had you, it was like you were like a a, a full party of yeah that, like she'll just raise up stuff that kills that that you kill and it keeps they keep talking like, oh, if, if they're NPCs that have the weird, like, sort of conversational barks, the reanimated dead ones will keep, oh, like, saying stuff. It's creepy. That is creepy. There's also, I found this place where you could, there's, there is this machine that turns, you find this wizard who, at first, it's like, oh, this guy's hands are made of spiders. But then it turns out he's just holding magical spiders and then he throws them at you and they turn into giant real spiders and attack you and then you find this machine that you put rubies and salt in and it turns them into spiders that you can throw (laughs) Um, pretty great I do have a lot of salt yeah Uh, I I was not carrying all my salt with me Mm. but it's luckily it's in a cave filled with ruby geodes wow yeah and I kept singing to Emily 
destination unknown ruby 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 geode and she thought that was pretty funny yeah, the, well she thought it was pretty funny the first time <laughs> i imagine after the ninth or tenth ruby geode i Same uh joke. i should go back to skyrim at some point because that was a ton of fun and i just dropped it one day and yeah don't know yeah. Why i mean the dlc is a good opportunity to do so because it's like you can go back and just see a bunch of new shit well, that's, i never finished really i never well. finished the main quest line in yeah, the game. but you don't have to i mean I, it's like, i know i just never did i've not i i only got as far into the main quest line as i had to to unlock the dlc like i'm still uh, i'm still just like at the very i forget i'm supposed to go into somebody i'm recovering the horn of jurgen wind collar right. is where i'm at in that one which is like stage two right. of the main quest and I probably just won't do it on this dude. I mean, I, I might be done, actually, because I, I should probably play the rest of Dawn Guard. Now that you're stronger. Well, I mean, I, I, w- I was only using Dawn Guard to sort of level up for Dragonborn. I, f- I wish those weren't so similar yeah. in mm-hmm. name. But You have no interest in the Hearthstone? Hearthfire? Yeah. Yeah. I, I went and I did the sort of minimum amount that was necessary to make it so you could buy a piece of property, but it, there was either some glitch and it didn't work or I just didn't do it right. Huh. I read the thing wrong. Um, you get a really nice house for free after you do some quests on Dragonborn. I see. And I guess it'd be kind of neat to see how the building stuff works, but you have to go around and like chop down trees to make doors and mine iron to make nails and stuff. Wow. And I, wow. You have to use, like, you might have to level up smithing to be able to do huh. the stuff and make it in the house. And I don't, Skyrim is not a game that makes me want to express myself right. creatively. And so I don't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Even if you could make a cool wizard tower. Yeah. You know, there was that one, that Oblivion DLC that gives you a super cool wizard tower to live in. And I was pretty happy about that. Um, I don't think there are any sweet wizard towers for you to live in. Well, you can become the Archmage. Yeah, right? I was going to say. The sweetest wizard tower. It's got all that mushroom fields. That doesn't really read to me as much of, of a wizard tower. No. It's it's like a cool edifice up on a sort of cliff or whatever. or what, I don't know what you would call that exactly. Cause it's, it's like a promontory yeah, where you take a bridge out bridge. to it and then there's like a big wizard school, right? Yeah. There's wizard schools. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah. It's great. It's very similar to the wizard school in Oblivion. Is it? Yeah. They're not the same, because I guess it's different lands. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what we've been playing. Cool. What's in the news, Kevin? Uh, so, the, these humble bundles, I, I, feel like, I feel like them saying they are humble is, is becoming more and more of a misnomer, right? Because... When they just started out as humble indie bundles, it's, it made a lot of sense. But now, well, so just a guy's the guy who founded that company's name is Jod Humble. Sure, sure. He should get a different name. Yeah, Jod. Who the uh, fuck is named Jod? <laughs> but uh, so the the there's a new bundle. It's the humble origin bundle. Kneel before Jod. No, I'm just kidding. You don't need to kneel before me. I'm I'm nothing to I'm nothing to write home about. Um. And it's got it's got some cool games in it. Dead Space, Mirror's Edge, mm. and um, you know, Burnout Paradise. I stuff. will buy that actually because five, five bucks gets you everything. Yeah, I want to play Mirror's Edge, but not uh, not that bad. About about three quarters, two thirds of the games are have Steam keys, and the other ones are all unlocked on Origin. Yeah. 
Um, so Mirror's Edge has got a Steam key, though. Yeah. I mean, I've used, I use Origin when I have to, to play a game that I want to play. You know, it's like, it's lame, but it's not so bad that it's a showstopper for me. I've, I've only had to use it the once when I think we did the, that warp game or whatever, or I, and I don't think you had to, it just was super confusing. Yeah. And, and implied that I had to, and so I made an account. I think I have multiple Origin accounts with games on them. Yeah. See, I like all of these systems are have have some built-in friction, and it is just Origins is particularly bad in my experience, which is very minimal. And Steam's is not so bad, but it's sometimes annoying. You know, something that I wanted to talk about uh, previously that I keep huh. noticing is that. Basically, every time right. I play yeah. a game for any significant amount of time on Steam, I, like, earn a dollar now oh, right, from those trading, trading cards. cards. And I feel like they have somehow, like, this trading card system is, in spite of the fact that almost everyone is, like, kind of bemused by it and doesn't understand what it's for, it is, like it has a hundred percent engagement. I apologize if I've gone on this jag already, but like, I feel like everybody is either collecting those cards or just getting some free money. It's just turned steam into a, into a, a slot machine for me. Only, I only have to interact with it to cash out. Right. Right. I it's mean, just, that's everybody that I've talked to is the same way, except for, I guess some people will get a badge or two. I mean, somebody has to be buying them. Yeah. Sure, I got a couple work. of badges. They're, was... they're like, Five million people online at peak hours, right? So yeah. even if only a hundred thousand of them are buying up cards, then good, you know, good it's on just, them. I feel like I've just gotten like a dollar or a dollar fifty discount on every game that I've bought since the trading cards were released, and like, it's cool. It's fine. I'll take it. You know, it's like I don't. I wish that it would just. I wish that I could just set up a script to automatically undercut yeah. the undercut the last one by three <laughs> cents or whatever. Um, without me having to actually click the, I started just putting them at the same price as the as the low, and they they sell quickly enough. That, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I just because this seems fake, it's like I just do what I do right with in an auction house, like an MMO auction house. Yeah, yeah, where I'm just like, I just want someone to have this that wants it. Right, right. Like I don't care about you know, and I know it's like people like me that fuck up arbitrage for for everybody else by just like well, although, not really well i mean i guess They'll people like me also provide for arbitrage I, which i don't like that idea because what i want is to what i want is for rather than vendor selling this thing that would be of some use to somebody i want someone to get some utility out of it and i well, don't the care the utility is that they buy it and then they resell it at a slightly higher cost yeah 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 steam, i mean steam getting a cut that's that's the crazy thing and steam is is getting you know five percent on all of these or yeah, whatever and the developer is getting some too yeah, which yeah. is that's awesome but i mean it incentivizes the developer to support the cards oh, yeah. which then makes everybody more money which i don't understand i don't understand the mindset of somebody who would pay for one of these cards i mean unless unless if there was something if there was some tangible benefit that you got from having these maybe i would sell a bunch and use that fake money that I don't think of as being real money right. <laughs> to buy one, but no. I mean, not. you get chat emoticons, so I guess people that that do Steam chat would find that useful. Hmm. Well, 
What have else? you guys uh, have you guys been following uh, Civilization Online at all? Have you heard about it before? I'm not. Huh. It, <clears throat> it is apparently an MMO which is in development uh, that is based on Civilization, like the Civ games. Um, and it sounds kind of fascinating, actually. Um, you are just an individual person in, I guess, at, the, at launch, they're going to have four different civilizations. And you are working towards in sort of increasing your civilization's um, sort of place in the world. So and is it like are you is it like a first person? Yes. You run it around is, and like work a work a mine and collaboratively build a, a shrine library. with some dudes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a tale in the desert. It, like, but you can also be like, a spy and go over to some other civilizations thing and ooh. like you know start wrecking their wonder, or you can. Um, try to like work on diplomatic relations with other people you can be a like you know you can do research to increase the the relative technology levels or whatever it just like it, <clears throat> it could be terrible or it could be awesome and like you're each of the civilizations is competing to be the winner of, of each particular age or whatever and then once you get to the point where there's spacecraft it just resets and you get like your character gets to keep some perks and it starts over. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Just like we were and talking like, about last week. Yeah, getting the world used to a resetting MMO yeah. would be great. I mean, I would have really enjoyed a comprehensible like a tale from the a tale in the desert. I don't actually know what that was. It is it is a just a cycling repeated MMO about civilization building civilization in Egypt. Huh. It's a cooperative, right? You you don't I don't think there's any war or anything. Maybe there is. There's a lot so. there's apparently going to be a lot of war in in yeah. this, right? So, but that's it's I mean it's just a bunch of PVP. Every time I tried to play A Tale in the Desert, it would like start me out and it would go through all the tutorials about how to craft things and then everything was just a wasteland because apparently I'd always play at some point in the cycle where everyone was somewhere else. Um, and so I would just see all this stuff that people built and like, all right, there's huh. kind of nobody here. And I was, you know, I was imagining like the idea of that is really compelling. And so if it had a budget, you know, right. and, and like some usability guys making the interface comprehensible and making making it so like the game itself rather than just asking you to work together towards these goals if the game actually encouraged you yeah, I mean, to work towards I think, them I think there's a lot of that like, I assume that there will be benefits for your civilization winning the particular ages or whatever um, and it seems like there's going to be like each civilization can win each potential age or something like that I'm not exactly sure how it, how it works um, I mean, but it sounds like that, great. A game like that built into like the Minecraft engine would be huh. neat. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right? Like somehow you because you just have total flexibility over what, like what the library that you build is like. Yeah, and also I mean like we need gold, but there's only so much gold, right? right? So you well you have to spawn new chunks. Um, yeah, I mean the, apparently the early stages of the game are just like exploring the world and seeing what there is, <laughs> which I don't know. It just sounds like it could be super great and, and if you if you get killed it's just game over well so if you get killed in the battle like in a battle you just respawn way back at the sort of like heart of the of your the cradle civilization. of civilization the, well if you, for your particular civilization and so you the, basically get taken out of any particular battle the lando lakes right where does the what is it the like the fertile crescent where did it where, right. where, 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 where lando lake yeah 
It was the place uh, where butter was first discovered. But that, I mean, that idea is actually kind of fascinating, though, because like, it's, it, so these giant, like, large-scale battles are going on, potentially, and killing someone effectively removes them from the game because they'll, from that fight, because it's going to take them 15 minutes to get back or right. whatever. Which that's cool, right? So it's like PvP with seri- much much more serious compl- consequences, and it's much faster to get back to where you were if there are supply lines. Like if if you have ac- like actual if you're nice. like a solid control hmm. route to where it is. So like actual large scale sort of tactical combat, you cut you can cut enemy supply lines, which will way 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 slow down their ability to get reinforcements or people sort of come in respawning. Huh. Yeah, like, you know, again, this could just end up not, you know, living up to its promise, but it just sure. sounds really I mean, this neat. is Molyneux's project, right? right? Like, this is his drawing. <laughs> no. This, this is, is the second can. This, this is, is a, Civilization Online. <laughs> right. The guy, well, I guess, like, one of the lead designers of Lineage um, hmm. is in charge, which sounds like, like, you know, that. I didn't ever play any Lineage, but I heard good things about it. I once saw a guy playing lineage like in between doing bumps of coke and he seemed to be enjoying himself <laughs> so huh. I, one of those two things one of those two things looks like it's probably a lot of fun uh, the only other thing that i saw uh this week was that uh, you know gone home is coming out yeah which yeah i'm excited about yeah should probably go, go be out by the time you hear this yeah hopefully hopefully you'll have already bought it and played it yep and yep. can't wait So, this assignment, Gear Walk. Yeah. Yeah. Zach. Yes. You were uh, not having a bunch of fun with it I was when not. I, I last saw you. So, I think that this is a very good game that I hated every minute of wow. playing it. Did you, how far did you get? I finished it. You did? Yeah. Okay. I finished it and then I went through and I did the second secret thing. I mean, I, like, I, I felt like I, I did have to check a walkthrough twice uh and then i checked to walk through a third time rather than writing something down okay um because i sort of i knew what i needed to do i just didn't want to do it the the first thing i never ever would have figured out to turn the phone upside down to get that baby out of that hole mm. really yeah even with the blood dripping nope. up nope never would have it, i never really? ever would have. i was stuck at that point for like 20 minutes oh my that's, god and that is when i that is when I looked at a walkthrough the first time, and I was like, yep, don't feel bad about that at all, because I would never wow. have tried that. That's funny. The, the, a similar thing happened to me, but not the same one. I got stuck when I played it originally uh, on the uh, spinning around the, the doll's head, because uh, it's because of the stiffness of it and the way it just springs back. It did not occur to me that that there was a limit to how far you could rotate it. So I just thought this is a thing that spins and didn't think any more of it. Oh. Yeah. I just happened to I just happened huh. to get that one right. So it was the the atmosphere was fantastic. The the mood was great, but I hated <laughs> all of the elements of it that actually made it a video game. Like I had no fucking idea how to get from anywhere to anywhere else. I basically if I wanted to go somewhere, I just had to wander aimlessly until I found it again, which was crazy frustrating during the parts where you have to like be carrying a dead baby with one finger. Right. And what happens if you let go? It just disappears and you have to go back to where Wow, it, really? Yeah. Man. Yeah. 
I didn't. I. I mean, I. I didn't have many of these problems at all. Like, I didn't. I didn't consult a, a walkthrough, and I just. I. I got through the whole game. But. I mean, so it, this. So this game, in in the in the way in which, Kentucky Route Zero is a is a game that is a dream. This is a game that is a nightmare. And one of the things about a nightmare is that, like, okay, I don't know where I'm going. I don't mm-hmm. know how to get there, and I have no idea if that. I honestly could not tell for a long time if. I was having an inability to wrap my head around the way that the space was arranged or if it was randomly rearranging itself hmm. to to just You didn't so the landmarks did not help you navigate no, everything, at all. Everything was identical. Ah, wow. Like and and like to to moving around quickly would cause you to miss opportunities to move forward or backward like sure. if it, if it had just been like but almost everything was cued by like some relatively different looking yeah yeah environmental objects yeah i mean i guess i just because i'm no like because i don't navigate via landmarks in real life like i just i had a hell of a time i still don't really like i kind of can imagine that like all right my cabin is sort of southerly bottom bottom right ish yeah but not really right and also i don't think that those i don't think that you could draw a map i don't think that those spaces actually fit i mean you definitely could draw you could draw like a graph but of it, but I don't think yeah. that I don't think that you could do like a screenshot style map because I think there would just be a bunch of overlap, and it's like, mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's like a point and click adventure game except the rooms are really fungible, and so it's just I I don't know. It got me, it, it drove me nuts. Like that. All right, well now I just have to go to a bunch of different places where there will be new shit so I can find where these dead babies are. And it was like I found most. You know, I found three of the four of them. The I have no idea how the puzzle inside the tree worked. Like I solved it, but I have no the idea owls how. The or the no that that one I figured the out. Pitch the pitch one, yeah. You just you just keep making the pitch match. The, the background s- music, yeah. I mean that was kind of what I because if you fuck it up, it resets down to the lowest pitch, and you have to start over again. But I mean, the, every room has multiple pitches of, and then a lot of times they're like no, multiple. There's a background. Sounds. There's a background noise that is the same. And then there are the, and then of. as you go over each possible exit, there's a like a, a singing thing. Yeah, but it's not. I, it, the, it, the puzzle made no sense to me. I eventually maybe was like, you're, maybe because you know how music works. Because like uh, I, I, I had I had no problem with it once I understood what I was trying, what I was supposed to do. I mean, I was sort of picking one of a number of things that sounded good against the background music. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there were things where it's like you know sometimes it's like well that so do I. There are two things, both of which sort of work, like neither of which is really dissonant. Hmm. But I, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I mean, I did get through it, so apparently I solved it, but I, right. I just didn't feel like it. So I think that there is this notion that in a lot of good puzzles, part of the puzzle is figuring out what the puzzle is. And this game definitely feels like that, except that I think to its detriment to a certain extent, because just like moving around the world and figuring out like, Okay, do I have to touch something? Do I have to do some weird, goofy iPhone trick? And, like, a lot of the puzzles were built around these goofy iPhone tricks, you know? They're, like, you know, as a guy who will sit around sometimes, like, how far off the screen can I scroll this browser window by, like, fucking around and picking up my fingers and trying to mess with the swiping algorithms and stuff? And then there's the part of the game that operates on that. And it's, like, that could have been the thing that I never, ever figured out. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the, like I did not understand that going in and chain, turning that crank 
uh, inside the windmill was moving the blades of the windmill. I was just like, I went in, I turned this crank until the woman screamed at me, and then I went outside and like, oh, there's a baby. I just oh, solved that puzzle by accident. Luck. I just happened okay. to get it right the first time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the the sort of secret ending is neat in that, and this is the, you know clearly blanket spoiler alert for this, but yeah. like <laughs> that that the secret ending is like a weird reverse time travel first turn suicide yep. like that was yeah. pretty satisfying yep. <laughs> like it's yeah. got it's got the slouching towards bedlam uh and the yeah i don't know that thing i enjoyed the, the world the where you put Cthulhu-y your whip in a box and then wait three thousand library years. research story thing too that was neat yeah yeah the it narrative was, was narrative was pretty well done it was pretty good yeah it, it was a little i think it could have been a little shorter hmm. but uh, I mean, I, I was when I saw the list of dates, I was like, "Oh man, I'm not going to want to do this." But then each one was so each short. Each one was pretty short. Yeah, that it was fun. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good. I it was like, I I really appreciated the the atmosphere of it. I I yeah played it. The, I played it in two sessions, and both times I was just sitting alone in the dark. And the first one, I just put it down after I. Um, finished the the tree thing because that was just so freaky to me um <laughs> and i was like i if the whole thing is going to be like this i'm gonna i'm gonna not be able to like go to sleep i played it during the day today and i had to like build a little pillow fort around me <laughs> to make it dark enough that i could see the stuff that was on the screen did you try turning the brightness up your your phone up no okay i probably could do that All right <laughs> i i wish that I wish that there was something that you could do to adjust the brightness without navigating to the settings menu where the brightness is. I think maybe that's a thing in iOS, iOS 6 that like yeah. all of the things that I commonly need from the settings menu are so far away from each other and yep. so deep that it's just like, ah, fuck. Like every time I go up to the roof to smoke a cigar, my phone will connect to the Wi-Fi but not well enough to actually work. And so I am constantly having to turn the Wi-Fi off and on, um, which is obnoxious. And I don't even know where the brightness controls are. I just let it auto oh, really? do it all the time. But I just, you know, it'd be nice if there was just like something that you could do where you like hold down the home button and then the up and yeah. down volume knobs become the brightness adjustment or something. There's a there's a easy to get to option for it on iPad, but yeah, I don't know how you do it on a phone. You know, I think... I had an unpleasant time playing this game, but that's fine, right? It's fine for it to be that kind of a thing. I, like, I appreciated that there there was basically no instruction. I I yeah. I had a definitely. really really good time, like getting into it and like just I sat there on that first screen, being like, okay, is something gonna happen? And then I like started sort of like touching stuff and nothing was really going on. And then I you know I sort I sort of very organically. Like, was like, okay, I guess I can move right and left. And then I, like, mm-hmm. you know, I got, like, tested the boundaries. And then, like, it everything unfolded just right for me and the way that I approached yeah. it. And, like, every challenge was, like, every time I encountered something, I was, I had already seen and more or less memorized the, the like, the clues for it. So I never mm-hmm. encountered a puzzle that I hadn't already seen the bits for. The only thing that wasn't quite like that was the... Um, the gravestone puzzle where I had to go back. Yeah. And at that point, that, that was where I just went and looked up a spoiler. Cause I'm like, I'm, I don't want to fucking do that. I don't want to huh. go and drag that stupid torture. On. I also, I never ever would have found the shit that you move in that dark 
room. The shit that you The move. planks that you have to move out of the way to get oh, the yeah. ladder to fall down. Yeah, never would have. Huh. I never would have gotten past that. Hmm. Interesting. Because, like, that was the... That's the only place that there was the single dot. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to start fucking with these dots in order. And so then I started hitting the first one. And then, like, it just... That's... Oh, what I didn't even notice that there was anything going... That way, it was so hard to see what was going on mm. in that room. And it was well, so... I mean, if you had the brightness way It was down, so big. Was, and also, like, I was like fuck man my fingers hurt from just looking around this right this screen like it's like god damn it like huh. I, you know the the ending the ending was super satisfying like the action like this this sort of secret ending right um that was super satisfying it was just neat like just a neat thing like here's this note and here's this newspaper story you know what you have to do the like, the the pair of apps the like the the game and then the companion app yeah it's pretty pretty neat idea yeah it yep. was yeah I wish that maybe it had been a little like I wish that it hadn't spelled out so much yeah. go to the companion app yep. and type mm, in this number yeah, at yep. the end like I wish that that had been a little and more I, obscure and I kind of wish that in the in the actual journal entries that he just it would have just had the like code pieces there and hadn't sort of multiple times said here is exactly what you need to do. Yeah. Just do go just go do this instead of instead of just letting somebody be like, "Oh man, I know I've seen those before." Yeah. I mean, like here's this picture yeah. of this box. Remember this box? I don't know how to open it. Wait a minute, I figured out how to open right. it. I guess you got to move. Yeah, it was like, "Ah, come on, man. This is not like this is like somebody else made this game." And it's like the secret hidden obscure thing is so much easier a puzzle right. than the basic things that you have to solve. <laughs> it is like, "Wait a minute. This, this is like you just accidentally put the tutorial at the end of the game instead right. of at the beginning. Like, <clears throat> I, I think my problem was that it was a it was a game filled with puzzles, and it was a game that trained you to mistrust the oh the the, the, the sort of like the, the the sort of like the the narrator of the game, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not a narrator specifically, but it's like. I never knew, it's like, uh, well, so is the puzzle here that I just have to sit here for 10 seconds? Is there an interactable object that I just have to tap? Is that, you know, do it's like, oh, d this time you need to rub every tree to <laughs> see if any of the things fall <laughs> sure. off of it or whatever. You know, it's like, you never knew what things were part of a puzzle and what things weren't. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I understand that objection, but I, I never felt that way. I mean, I, I had wandered around for a really long time before I figured out that you had to, like, pull the horse guy out of the water to, mm -hmm. to make that stage trigger. And then it was like, well, now just go back to all these places that you've been before, and there's new stuff there. And I'm just like, fuck. Just going back, I don't know how. I, even at the point where I got to the church, I would not have been able to say with any confidence that I had been to every location in the game because mm -hmm. they were so indistinguishable and so the navigation, I just found it so hard to wrap my head around it. I mean, but I said I did was, beat it, it just made me feel stupid. There was definitely a similarity in the locations, but there were landmarks. You could tell with some, some level of certainty where you were yeah. from moment to moment. So, <clears throat> You know, one thing, this game was made by a guy named Magnus, which we have learned on uh, mm. Advice Hot Dog. The best games are made by people named Magnus. The worst games are made by people named Terrence. Mm. <laughs> because Magnus, Magnus is the best I didn't know Terrence McKenna made a game. Terrence is the worst. Yeah, you know, it's got, you can be an elf. 
There's a, a trailer out for the for the next game that these guys are doing, and it looks really, really interesting and bizarre, in a in a similar way, except with a different tone. It seems is it year as walk, I, a machine for pigs? Yeah. Well, as as I recall, it it was as year walk is like nightmarish. This is more, I don't know, sort of, I, I, sort of like spy psychedelic, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. So, so it seems pretty interesting. Um, I I, I kind of want to try to make a machine for pigs into the next electric boogaloo, which is just <laughs> always <laughs> the thing that you refer to the sequel as. Uh, I'm done with that. <laughs> um, I, I I met some people today from uh from the game studio Whole Hog, um, and their their first game is I think uh, Full Bore. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'll be pleased when they come out with full bore a machine for pigs whole hog whole, whole hogs hog full bore a machine for pigs <laughs> <laughs> is it B-O-R-E though right I, I, I think mean, it is funny to interpret but, it as B-O-A-R well because but. no but, I mean literally everything is pig themed so so huh. yes, it is it was an intentional I think it is an intentional hmm. pun so um, so next week's assignment uh, is the bridge, which is a Windows game, um, and it looks like it's some sort of weird, puzzly game that sort of MC Escher. I've not played it yet, so um, you should check it out. The bridge. The bridge. Ah, uh, well, do you guys want to do some listeners mail? Sure. sure. All right. Stumps McGee says. Why is it that recently games embrace the fact that the main character is murdering people, unlike older games where everything is the same but there's no in-game identification that people are getting killed? When did this happen? For me, I first recognized it when playing the first Borderlands. Uh, have any of you guys played the new Tomb Raider? I feel like Riff would love it for some reason. I've not played huh. it. I, I, I haven't really looked at it. I'm intrigued by it, but I have not. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's something that I would buy for $5 a couple of years ago. Yeah, when it becomes check cheap. Out. Yeah, I, I could see Wouldn't want to do that. it if I was going to feel bad if I didn't get into it. I mean, I think that, like acknowledgement of the just sort of blind acceptance of like main characters in video games that are just killing dude after dude after dude after dude is just sort of in vogue now Mm -hmm. you know I, I, I think it appeared in other places we got we got made fun of about that being kind of wanky in word realms although I think people didn't really understand exactly it was, it's not that we wrote a bad story it's that people didn't get it let me <laughs> let me tell you some shit about all my sweet Alice in Wonderland metaphors so that maybe if you guys have been to college you would understand um, I mean word realms because we had to write a joke about every word in the English language and they were all about like harming dudes right. there were a lot of there were a lot of just references to the fact that like yeah this is fucked up how my answer to everything is to just hit it with a stick right you know um but it wasn't you know we're trying to make a statement there um but it is kind of fucked up how it, that, that's just how you go through the world yeah i mean like i guess nobody found the stealthy path through the game where you can only you only have, you have to use words like sneak and <laughs> silent <laughs> hugs like ninja <laughs> 
you just like sort of step outside the game and oh, that you was just, actually pretty you great. just make it so instead of killing that bandit ruffian you make it so he was never born right <laughs> and then you just like get a brief you get a brief flash of like his family's home and it's only like the curtains are a lot nicer because that's what they did with the money they saved on buying food for this baby that you just unmade it's not that the curtains were that expensive, it's that they just didn't really spend a lot of money on raising that kid. <laughs> Going back to something you said earlier where you talked about putting the tutorial at the end, has, it, has anybody ever made a game that it, you play basically in in reverse order where you start with a boss fight, you start with a super uh, powerful spoiler character? Spoiler alert, Braid. You start with a boss fight and you start with a super powerful character and then you, you lose abilities slowly mm. as you traverse back towards a tutorial. That was, there's, that was the thesis of a... Uh, uh, Yahtzee Crawshaw um, editorial once about how how interesting it would be to have like a Metroid style game where you lose your power ups gradually as you go and that's how the difficulty curve increases instead of making the enemies artificially more difficult you're just losing hearts and uh, and skills as you go I mean, I feel like that's a cool idea in theory, but I don't know that it's fun because part of the yeah, reason that a game starts with a tutorial exciting. is so that you can learn how to play it, right? I mean, it's, for one thing, like, if you say, I don't need tutorials because I already know how to play video games, well, that tutorial's not for you. It's for somebody who this, like, every day somebody is born, and at that point they've never played a fucking video game. So, like... You still so you're need saying to, that prenatal video games aren't working? Not yet. No, <laughs> we haven't. We haven't quite mastered it. Once okay. you get the once you get the um, the 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 Oculus womb, it'll be. <laughs> I have to get have that controller in there. Oh, 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 oh. Um, what uh, the Wii uterus? <laughs> I was <just> trying to, <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, Xbox Zero. <laughs> the Xbox. This <laughs> is box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Atari's uh, <laughs> way late to the game says Dator Sojet, but I just got an iOS. Device. Oh no, let me let me continue my thought about. Oh sorry. So it, I mean, I think the thing that would suck about like say Symphony of the Night is that you would start and every fucking button on your controller is mapped to something that it you have to figure out how to use. You know, and yeah. it's like that. That's that like an old school video. Seems game, like man. a great like art project, but I don't know that. I don't know that you would get anyone to buy it or enjoy it, other than like, you know, d- douchey guys on, you know, attempting to do high minded criticism of video games. Uh, Dator Sojat says, "Way late to the game, but I just got an iOS device. Top two or three games available on iPad for each of you. Available mm. on iPad might you pull out yeah, the iPad here and look at to, what I've because you can play an iPhone it. game on an iPad, right?" Always, it's just sometimes small. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so my, I think my number one favorite game on the iPhone, which I think is just an iPhone game, is Space Miner. It's just great. It's like Asteroids, the RPG. Yeah. It's, it, it's got a bunch of really good writing. The mechanics are cool. You should check it out. Um, the I Dig It games are pretty good, but but they didn't. Um, they didn't sort of keep me enthralled long term. Um, I'm just I'm trying to look through here and see, you know. I mean, the ones that I've played the most of are not necessarily the ones that I think are the best games, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, a few months ago I played a ton of that eight ball pool game, and that was right. a lot of fun. But I'm not going to say like this is an amazing thing. 
puzzle games. If you if you like puzzle games, I highly recommend Helsing's Fire. Helsing's and Fire, Tra- yeah, definitely. And Trainyard. Those are both really really good. Devil's Attorney, man. Devil's Attorney, best game um, ever. There's a Sword and Sorcery, um, is really mm. good, and The Room is excellent. Mm. Oh yeah, The Room is really good. And uh, McPixel is available on iPad, so there's no reason why you should not have that. Uh, Dungeon Raid. Dungeon Raid and Puzzlecraft are mm. both very good. Oh, and... I, um, I kind of like Whopper. Of, if, of, of those Yeah, of those, games. that style of game. Yeah, Whopper, Whopper's good for a single playthrough. I think it's not quite as... It's not quite as... Long-term. Long-term replayable as Dungeon Raid. Sure. War Super games, Hexagon W-O-D-I. is good. If you have friends, Space Team is good. Bad Piggies, I would totally, I would recommend that. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's also current, so there'll be updates. Yeah, a lot of these games are old. Uh, if you like word games mm-hmm. against humans, um, <laughs> Letterpress. Mm-hmm. That is a great game. Oh, and Walking Dead is uh, pretty mm-hmm. good on iPad, too, if you haven't played that yet. Well, all right, that was a series of recommendations. Uh, tap back I still have game. to finish Walking Dead. I haven't even started Chapter 3 yet. Hmm. Di Vernon says, I agree with you, Zach, that Magic 2014 would be way better if it was an RPG in the style of the Microprose game, and agree with Riff in being totally pumped for Hex to come out. You're right about Magic being difficult to formalize. The comprehensive rulebook is 198 pages, and if you look at the modern Oracle text of cards from the early 90s, you'll see how difficult it is to programmatically describe some of the fairly simple concepts they were going for. Animate Dead is the poster child for this. And then he links to this, and Animate Dead reads... Enchant creature card in a graveyard. When Animate Dead enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, it loses Enchant creature card in a graveyard and gains Enchant creature card put onto the battlefield with Animate Dead. Return Enchanted creature card to the battlefield under your control and attach Animate Dead to it. When Animate Dead leaves the battlefield, that creature's controller sacrifices it. Enchanted creature gets minus one, minus zero. I mean, wow. And, but what the original <laughs> card text of that said when it came out was, any creature in either player's graveyard comes into play on your side with minus one to its original power. If this enchantment is removed or at the end of the game, target creature is returned to its owner's graveyard, target creature may be killed as normal. Huh. Which, to me, I never, ever ran into any problems figuring out how to play with Animate Dead. Right. And the fact that the rules lawyering in serious play got to the point where it needed all of that goofy ass clarification like i don't know i mean i don't think that's i don't think that's a problem with the game i think that's a problem with the players yeah (laughs) don't don't play with dickheads but unfortunately that means don't play in tournaments so when animate dead enters the battlefield if it's on the battlefield yeah why is that that does not make any sense well, I mean, I think entering the battlefield happens before it is on the battlefield. Like, it, the fact that it targets a creature in a graveyard, like, it is an enchantment that goes right. on a creature in a graveyard, which is not a thing that there is an actual rule for. Right? So you just write down, this is what this does, and everybody immediately, animate dead, I wonder what that does. Right. Oh, I'm guessing it animates this dead thing. Like, yeah... That is that is obnoxious that they have to be so crazy explicit about it. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, and it's and it's weird that like so many things have gotten more complicated in an attempt to get less complicated, less ambiguous because they're so important in those ways. He said regarding timing in Magic 2014, they cut some serious corners to make it accessible to beginners. The timer is a relatively elegant way for them to solve the timing problem, but it definitely leaves a lot to be desired. I play a lot of the official Magic Online client and handles timing the way Riff says he'd like. You have a list of every phase, untap, upkeep, draw, shitbird. Uh, <laughs> shitbird is the fourth phase. Um, the <laughs> guy who, important one. the first guy that we taught that we played Magic with in like 1994 at the hobby shop in Prescott was this guy uh, Gioff. Um, it was also the first time I ever met somebody named Jeff who spelled his name with a G-E-O-F-F. Uh, but he, whenever he was playing Magic, he would recite to himself the phases to do, like, because it's like, you know, you have to keep track of that. Like, there are things that happen during upkeep. There are things that happen during untap. Say, upkeep, untap, upkeep, draw. And then he would draw the card, look at it, and say, shit bird, if it wasn't the card that he wanted to draw. So, every time I hear untap upkeep draw it's immediately so shitbird wasn't actually on the shitbird was not actually one of the phases yeah (laughs) yeah. um main phase one begin combat declare attackers declare blockers combat damage end combat main phase two end of turn cleanup and you can set the client to give you priority during any of those times it's way too granular for someone new especially given that core sets like m14 are designed to have simple interactions also, the stack does still exist. Whenever anybody casts a spell or activates an ability, it goes into a last-in, first-out stack, and both players get priority to activate something at instant speed. They did away with interrupts, and counter spells are just instants now, and that makes sense. Um, if a player does activate something, it gets pushed onto the stack, and the whole thing happens again. If nobody does, the top element of the stack resolves, and both players get priority before the next thing resolves. Learning to stack things properly is a key piece of getting good at magic. And, like, that makes me never want to get good at magic. Like... Huh. Having to, you know, like I feel like whether to attack and with what are that provides a a bunch of a, a complicated of enough decision set that it's that's enough. You know, it's like what what should I like? Even what is the benefit of like of of understanding the stack more? Like, what kinds of things can you do by by virtue of? Well, so I feel like you can like attack with something and then sacrifice it to make some creature stronger that can eat creatures or whatever. But you've already tied up the blocker. Okay, like just weird timing things like that that just involve like really narratively dissatisfying activations of abilities hmm. that you know they didn't just think about it from a narrative standpoint but it probably initially came from a narrative standpoint right, right? and it's like they they don't want you like lord of the pit you have to sacrifice something to it every turn or it damages you they probably didn't want you to sacrifice monsters that were already on the way to the graveyard right right hmm. but you probably yeah. could and so they just don't have something that works like that anymore and that's like ah god damn it you know, I mean, things things grow, and when a lot of people care about things, they they, they kind of become the property of those players rather than than like I don't know. Just you know, I can appreciate the elegance of a well designed thing that has a couple of flaws in it. Right. That if you could just <clears throat> get people to not exploit those flaws, you would have a much better cleaner experience for most of the other people but you just sort of can't do that and so everything is fraught with these compromises that are just a result of like the fact that 
some people will eke any advantage out of a thing that they can, no matter how dissatisfying or unbalanced it is. And so right. you just have to like build everything for this sort of like dickest common denominator. Yep. <laughs> you know? And it's and it's like you know it's how the world is. Yeah. I guess. I feel like the internet exacerbates that. A yeah, lot. I mean, the thing that drives me crazy is when we do it or when we're interacting with it, it's people doing it in these sort of inconsequential spheres. But when people who are like fund managers are doing this thing where they're maximizing their personal profit at the cost of, you know, people's pensions or retirement funds or, or whatever, that's, that's when I kind of get pissed off, right? Like it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, catch me if you can was depressing, right? Because it was like, let's, it was both exhilarating and depressing it at was, the same time. Right. But, but it was like, let's, let's make this, let's just decide that we can let people move money around and give money to each other without like fucking carrying gold bullion everywhere right. or whatever. And so let's make this system whereby we can transfer funds electronically. But then it was like, well, you know, so oh, we'll just write it down on a piece of paper and then everybody will trust that this piece of paper is real. Well, nope, people have started abusing that. So let's do some, you know, number encoding. Well, people figured that out. Well, let's print it in some sort of weird magnetic ink. And now, like, fucking checks cost a fortune. And and you know what's crazy is you can just photograph yeah, the fact a check. Yeah, you can just photograph a check. Like, and deposit. Like, I feel like I could probably, we could probably figure out a way to just write on the bot, we could write something on the bottom of one of our shoes and use that to transfer money between our bank accounts right. if we did it carefully enough. Sure. And it's yeah, yeah. It's like the lock on your door is not infallible because it doesn't need to be infallible because no asshole is going to try to break your door down. But like any tiny chink in the security of your website, you can goddamn guarantee that somebody is going to go. I was reading a story today about somebody who demonstrated that these Wi-Fi baby monitors are hackable, and so they hacked yeah, into somebody's Wi-Fi baby monitor and just screamed a bunch of obscenities at a baby. And I did not read the comments on this article because I knew that what I was going to see in the comments of this article was a bunch of dudes insisting that the guy who screamed obscenities at a baby is the good guy in this story for pointing out to the fucking baby monitor manufacturers that they need better security on their fucking baby monitors. And I couldn't bear it. I could not bear the thought of seeing people championing a guy who just swore at a baby who as the, the guy who's doing the right cares thing. cares if you can hack a baby monitor, right? Like, There's that pacemaker guy who then just like died mysteriously. He was like gonna present this methodology for hacking pacemakers and killing people at a distance. And then he like died a week before. Like he was like a 32-year-old dude who just died unexpectedly. And mysteriously, like, I don't think he had a pacemaker. That would have been fucking great, though. Yeah. It's like, um, much better story. So where's the movie script? I was like, maybe it was just an accident. Wow. Like, maybe somebody got sick of that kind of bullshit. Or maybe somebody stole his methodology and is just now knocking people off. Oh, just, wow. They figured out if you just, like... If you if you just change this zero to a one, you can do it to people who don't even have pacemakers. <laughs> it's just, like, just life hacking. Yeah, you're just you just like you figured out figured out how to hack into the matrix. Ah, if you've got anything to say to everybody, now would be the time to do right. it. No. All right, guys, I've had a good time recording episode number 119 of our podcast, Video Games Hot Dog, with you fine gentlemen, Kevin and yep, Jeff. Yep. 
It's been lovely. Uh, we'll see you next time on episode probably 121 because I think I'm going to start threading some, uh, some threading some tacos, tacos in between these two. Cool. Thread the taco. That's what they call it when you do a really cool skiing trick. Right. Sure. Right. So we'll see you on the slopes, everybody. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> see it. I have a feeling that that might be a show that awakened some furries. Um, that has been long of... slumbering under the crust of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>